Good morning, church. It's good to be with you on this new exciting journey together, celebrating today our first day uh, in this new place where God is taking us. Um, let me say thank you for all of your support in the uh, weeks leading up to now. Um, it has been overwhelming, and I am both thrilled and humbled to be called as your new rector and mostly excited about what God is already doing in our midst and will no doubt continue to do. Um, you may have noticed that in our readings lately in the Easter season that there hasn't been um, an Old Testament passage aside from our psalm. Um, and instead, they've been replaced with readings from the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament. And the reason for that in the Easter season is to give us the detailed stories of what happens after the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. Uh, namely, the birth of the church of Jesus Christ and how it spreads throughout the ancient world. And I can think of no greater passage than the one that we heard of today to reflect on for a church at a new place in its journey, uh, rethinking what it means to be people of the resurrection who are given the mission to proclaim that risen Jesus to the world around them. So we are going to be working uh, out of Acts chapter 8 today if you want to follow along in your bulletin. And the passage begins like this. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. You see, God sends us to specific places. God sends us to specific places. Have you ever thought to yourself, I'm planted where I am in my city, in my neighborhood, in my community, on my street, so that God can use me to be a light for Jesus Christ to other people. God sends us and God plants us in particular places at particular times to be used by him to reach others. Now, moving on, uh, the passage tells us, so he got up and went. Now, we can stop right there and focus on uh, those few words for the rest of the day, probably the rest of the year. Those are challenging words. Philip's obedience, uh, unreluctant obedience, is a challenge to all of us. You see, we have to get up and go when the Spirit leads. Now, what if Philip would have said, Ah, Lord, you know, I'm not really into the evangelism stuff. I'm an Episcopalian. Could you put me on a liturgy instead or something like that, something a little less scary? What if Philip would have said that? But he goes. He's fully obedient. He gets up and goes. Now, I have to tell you, this confronts me. This confronts my own struggle with boldness. It confronts confronts my struggle with fear and with pride that hinders me from sharing Jesus with others more often than I should. I am so prone to making excuses and rationalizing my way out of obeying the voice of God. I hear, I feel a nudge to go talk to somebody and I think, oh, that was just some bad chicken salad that I had for lunch or something. It's surely not the voice of the Holy Spirit. A uh, quick story about that. Um, recently, I was waiting for a coffee drink at a local coffee shop down here on Orange Avenue, and it was busy. It was a Saturday morning, and there was a bunch of people waiting for their coffee drinks. And um, I got one of those nudges because I saw a young couple, and uh, the young man was wearing a shirt uh, with a decal on it from the eight, 1980s horror movie Halloween 2. You guys know that one? Scary Michael Myers uh, slasher. Um, 
and I thought to myself, well, you've, you, I've watched a few horror movies lately, which I don't often do. Um, maybe I should just go talk to them while we're all waiting for our coffee drinks. And I thought, no, I'm wearing my collar. They're just going to think I'm a Jesus freak. And I'm, you know, I got fearful about it. And I thought they'll probably just blow me off anyways. And I'm standing there and I'm tapping my foot. I'm waiting for my coffee drink. And I just couldn't shake the voice saying, go over and strike up a conversation. What are you afraid of? And so unreluctantly, uh, I am ashamed to say, I finally went over and I said, hey, I noticed that uh, you like horror movies. And they said, oh, yeah, and they kind of lit right up and they were ready to talk. And I don't think they were expecting a priest to come over and talk to them about horror movies. And uh, I said, what have you seen recently that's really just rocked your world? It's been really good. And they said, well, there's this movie on Netflix called The Ritual. And I said, oh, my gosh, I just watched that. It was so scary. And we started talking about the different scenes of the movie. And uh, they began to expound their wealth of knowledge on horror movies, old and new alike. And I was I was dumbfounded at that. And um, eventually we got our coffee drinks and we went our separate way. And I had a meeting, so I couldn't pursue the conversation further. But I don't know what God might do with that. I don't know what seed might have been planted in that interaction. And when you have similar interactions, neither do you know what kind of seed for the gospel that you might be planting. Maybe those two people have had bad church experiences and have always felt condemned by Christians and they needed somebody who was obviously a Christian to come over and show them that it's not all about condemnation, someone who would connect with them. I don't know. And maybe somewhere down the road, someone else will water that seed and God will give it growth. Who knows? But I'm ashamed to say I'm usually not that bold. And I'm committed to be getting, to becoming more bold in this way when I hear the Spirit say, get up and go. And this brings us to the first point that I want to make today, and that's this. It's simply this. God sends his people. He sends his people. He sends all of us in some way, shape, or form into the world to bear good news. And uh, it is reminiscent of Jesus' own commission to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel when he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Moving on in our passage, we read this. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So little historical fact, um, eunuchs were often employed by royal courts because they were um, known to be very loyal servants because they did not have family obligations. So this man is, has a particularly prestigious role in the courts of Ethiopia. And yet he has come down all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. Now, what's strange about this? First of all, he lives far away, but the strange thing is, is that he's a Gentile um, coming to worship the God of the Jews in Jerusalem. Now, this is what uh, Jews of the time would have called a God-fearer. They would have, they wouldn't have said he's not a, they wouldn't have said he's a child of Abraham, he's a part of the family, they wouldn't have said that, but they said this is the God-fearer, he's a respectable person who believes and worships God, but he's not fully incorporated into the family. And the second reason he would not be able to be a full participant in Jewish worship is because he was a eunuch, and that abnormality, that physical abnormality would have been seen as an impurity, and he would not have been allowed full participation as a worshiper. These things are important as we move deeper into our passage. But God sends Philip to him to proclaim to him that in Jesus Christ, the doors have been thrown open to everyone. 
the doors leading into full inclusion into God's family have been thrown open to everyone. Now, this initially probably would have been difficult for Philip because he was a faithful, devout Jew. He probably would have thought, really, a Gentile and a eunuch that I'm being sent to? Um, this would have been difficult because that would have been, he, this eunuch would have been seen by Philip as somewhat of an outsider. But Philip is obedient and he goes. Now, maybe you've been out in public at some point in the past and you've seen kind of a rough-looking character, maybe uh, lots of tattoos, um, dyed hair, piercings, maybe they're smoking and drinking, and if you're honest, you thought to yourself, well, probably we'll never see them in church, or they don't belong in my church. But the thing is, God sees those people and desires to fully incorporate them into his covenant family. He sees those people and say, I love that person so much, I died for them, to redeem them. Would that God fill our own hearts with his love for his lost sheep. Now, the eunuch is reading scripture. Um, this is interesting. He's trying to figure out the truth in God's word, and that leads us to our second point. God is already at work where he sends us. Philip's not there yet. And the, the eunuch is trying to figure this whole God thing out. And he's reading scripture from the prophet Isaiah. You see, you and I are timid. We are scared to share our faith because we don't realize that God is already at work where he calls us. Once we realize that, it should inspire confidence in us to know that it is God who will handle the situation that he calls us into. People in our culture are wildly curious about spirituality, all things spiritual, and they need someone to show them that Jesus is the fullness of the truth that they are looking for. And he sends us out into the world to be those people. Now, moving on in our passage, the spirit says to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. Now, think about this for a minute. Just imagine this scene with me. Um, a chariot is pulled by horses, and the Spirit says to Philip, go over to the chariot. Now, Philip must have said to God, Lord, do you think that I am a Kenyan athlete? I'm going to go catch up with a chariot. But he's obedient, and he puts his best pair of Nikes on, and he takes off, and he's running after the chariot. And the eunuch has got to be looking down and thinking, great, we've got another bandit trying to rob us. And he's looking down, and Philip hears that he's reading Scripture. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy looks down, and he says, no, how could I, unless I have someone to guide me? And Philip's like, well, I'd love to do that, but why don't you invite me up for a bottle of water first? And so finally, the guy invites Philip into the chariot and they look at the passage together that the eunuch, by no, no coincidence, is reading. And the passage goes like this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. Now, the eunuch is uh, unaware of what the passage is talking about. He says, is this prophet talking about himself or someone else, and Philip says, no, 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 no. You see, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch, you've been an outsider to our worship from uh, the past till now. This passage is talking about our Messiah who came and like a sheep going to its death, gave his own life over so that you and everyone else could be included in his family. He died for your sins and you will no longer be on the margins of God's family anymore. Amazing. You see, God's desire is to bring people so fully into his presence 
that there is no distance between creator and creature. It's precisely why Jesus died. And so Philip explains the story uh, to him. Now, this brings us to our third point. Philip was able to convey this message effectively because he knew the Bible. He knew how to effectively communicate and interpret Scripture and show someone how it all ultimately points to Jesus Christ. See, the more we understand Scripture, the more effective we will be as instruments in the hand of God to be used for his purposes to lead other people to Jesus Christ. Um, our vision that is going to be unfolding here at the church um, from this point forward is a vision focused on discipleship. And um, a part of discipleship that is so uh, so dear to my heart is biblical education. And so as your new rector, I want to tell you, I am committed to us as a body growing in our understanding and our knowledge of God's word, not just to have more information, to have more historical facts, but to be more equipped to do the work that God is calling us to do as we move forward into the future. And I am excited about that. And I believe, I truly believe that God will honor our love and our respect for his word, and he will use it to bring people to himself. Friends, Philip is living proof that he will. Now, moving on, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. He is so excited after hearing the gospel message. And clearly, Philip tells him that all you need to do is repent and confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized, and you will be in his family. And so he's excited to do so. And he says, well, there's some water right there. Let's not wait. And Philip says, I could use a dip right now anyways after that run that the Lord sent me on. So they get down and they get into the water. And a new creation is made out of this man as the Holy Spirit comes to indwell him. And the text tells us that he went out rejoicing. Now, here's an interesting thing. Ethiopian tradition says that this eunuch was the first man to bring the gospel to Ethiopia. Don't underestimate what God can do, how God can use you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with one person. Don't underestimate what God can do with one willing and obedient heart. I was um, on the city of Maitland's website uh, recently and uh, found out there's currently just over 17,000 residents in Maitland alone right now. That's not considering all the other communities around us. Um, and there's over 900 uh, multifamily households under construction, many of which are right across the street from us. Um, now, the people are pouring into this community in droves. Do you think that the Spirit of God is going to be moving in new ways in the hearts of people in this community? And it's your mission and my mission to point them to Jesus by serving their needs, by healing their wounds, and by telling them that there is a God who loves them so much that he himself would die to make them his own. And if we're as eager as Philip was when the Spirit said, get up and go, if we're as eager when the Spirit says, go, go talk to him, go talk to her, just start a conversation and let me take it from there. If we're that eager, you had better believe that God is going to show up and do something. Speaking of his own experiences as a missionary, the theologian Leslie Newbigin said this, it is enough to know 
that Jesus reigns and shall reign and to be privileged to share this assurance with our neighbors and to be able to do and say the small deeds and words that make it possible for others to believe. But here's the thing. We cannot do this. We cannot carry out such efforts unless the very life of Jesus himself is flowing through us. Our Lord spoke to us in the gospel today and he said this, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now notice that he didn't say, uh, those who abide in me, will occasionally, once in a long while, do something kind of nice for people. He says, those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. That's a promise and a challenge to all of us. We can set a vision for the future. We can develop really nice, snazzy programs. Uh, we can start new ministries. But if we aren't, as a church, fully abiding in him, we aren't bearing real fruit. There are people who have churches that are healthy and growing, but they are not doing ministry in the power of Jesus Christ. And we don't want to make that mistake. So I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to join me in a deeper commitment to abiding in Jesus on a daily basis. Because this passage is a, is a reminder of the necessity of prayer, of dwelling with him, whether that's in the quiet time of the morning hours or in our small groups together during the week or in church on Sundays. I want to invite us all into a more fervent place of prayer that God would do powerful things in our midst and show us where he is leading us into the future. Without him, we can do nothing. Dear Church of the Good Shepherd, what a privilege to be called by that name and a privilege to be given a share in that mission of finding lost sheep. As we move forward, let's not get lost in the details of programs and meetings and services in such a way that we lose sight of our Christ-given commission to make disciples and in so doing to glorify our mighty and merciful Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you would stir in each of our hearts uh, to show us your call on each of our lives as we uh, move forward from this place together as a church, as a local expression um, of your son in this community. Lord, you have placed us here, not coincidentally, but by your providence to be the voice for your kingdom to the people who are pouring into this community, to the people who already lived here, who we have not reached yet with the gospel of your son. So Lord, show us what that looks like exactly for us because we really don't know yet. Uh, we ask that you would strengthen the ministries that we already are engaged in and bless them and make them fruitful. But Lord, remind us always that our fruit bearing will really come forth when we are abiding deep in you. So bring, bring us to a deeper place in your son, Lord, as we move forward into the future together. Inspire joy in our hearts, Lord, 
uh, we are excited to see what you have for us. Open our ears to hear and open our hearts to understand just what that looks like moving ahead. All this we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.